You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The JSE has opened its doors for another day. Yesterday was a really good day. Can we follow up yesterday's good work with another day of positive moves to the upside? This is the opening, and with me is Nick Kunza from Sanlam Private Wealth. Reflecting on yesterday, it was a good day. It was a dramatic day. It was a day when we got another 100 basis points to the downside, i.e. 1% interest rate cut, and the market loved it. A few other things happening overseas as well. The gold price was good. The oil price was good for South Africa. In other words, it came down fairly dramatically after we spoke as well, Nick, about seven and a half, eight percent at one mm. stage. And everything was fine. What about today? What's the mood this morning? Lindsay, good morning. Yeah, look, I think yesterday was a was certainly a difficult day to repeat. I mean, it was what a start to the uh, the four day week after Easter. I mean, the JSC had its best day in three weeks. Uh, Wall Street sort of recouped all its losses from the day before. And as you said, some of our individual sectors, uh, the likes of um, the likes of uh, the platinum sector, for example, up 18%, the gold sector up 19%. And there's, there's so many moving parts going on at the moment. We had a, a sort of emergency uh, interest rate repo rate cut by Twitter for the first time to uh, four and a quarter percent. So, I mean, there really is a lot going on, not to mention the earnings season kicking off in the U.S. But let's get back to reality. I think uh, a little bit of the a little bit of the froth coming out, the strong start to the week that we had yesterday, uh, our top 40 currently down, it's called a 2%, 1.95%. So wow. I think a little bit of, you know, a little bit of reality coming back in. And I do get the sense with the NASDAQ almost unchanged on the year yesterday. The S&P up 27% from its low just three weeks ago. Mm. I think we are a little, there's a little bit too much enthusiasm for me. And then I think also a bit of reality hit me home last night with the IMF downgrading world growth to, I mean, levels you haven't seen for last century. So, I mean, Goldman Sachs put an interesting note out this morning saying that they find it difficult to believe that we're basically having the largest economic contraction in a century. There's probably social upheavement and all sorts of uh, stuff coming through, yet the American markets are sitting at the same level they were um, eight months ago in September. So I do I do get the sense that uh, we need to just uh, take stock of it. We just try ahead of ourselves too much. Yeah, we have. The US markets are a law unto themselves, of course, because of the amount of liquidity there is, and also because they're skewed to certain companies like Amazon. And incidentally, Amazon mm. in the last few days has gone to an all-time record high. Did you see that? All-time record high on Amazon. I think uh, Apple not far behind, Alibaba as well. All these ones that are, I guess are trending with uh, the, the stay-at-home uh, environment we're in now. But still, Amazon all-time high doesn't necessarily – I don't quite get that too because uh, the, the American consumer is not exactly running out and, and getting stuff delivered. But we shall see. Retail sales are starting out of America, so that's going to be a key data point to watch and we'll get a, a bigger picture to that Amazon story. Yes, exactly. In South Africa, we're talking about retail sales. I see that uh, – what is that company? I've never used it before. I think it's called Take-A-Lot. Take a lot has taken mm. um, taken a big hit. Apparently, I'm just trying to find the headline. So, although we're staying at home, we're not necessarily clicking too much uh, for deliveries. So, so, South Africa sort of bucking that trend. I'm trying to find the. Mm. I'm trying to find the, here it is. South Africa's e commerce leader mm. take a lot, uh, takes a 20 million US dollar hit in a three week coronavirus shutdown. Now, it doesn't make sense to me because if you're at home, then you, you're bored. You say, Oh, I like that knife. I'm going to buy that. Those shoes look good on me. I'm going to order them. What's, what's that all about? If South Africa, did South Africans have a different uh, attitude towards being stuck at home? 
I don't think they do. I think they're, they're quite embracing it. If you look at if you look at the Woolies numbers a few weeks ago that uh, we spoke about on your show, there's a huge jump in, in the e-commerce online sort of ordering from the likes of Woolworths. So I don't think they have. I think this is more indicative to the fact that people are realizing that we might have 2 million job losses in the foreseeable future uh, within a South African context. And uh, I think people are starting to batten down the hatches, which is the last thing you want, quite frankly. But I do get that impression that that you know people are very concerned about what happens with the, with the South African economy, and I think spending or buying online is probably the last thing they're doing right now. And I think that's reflected in the numbers. It will change; we will embrace it. Uh, but for now, I think people are more concerned about the near-term uh, implications to their, their their balance sheets sitting at home. And they want to keep those strong. IMF has said that world growth this year will fall by not sorry, not point three. I wish um, by three percent, and then bounce back in twenty twenty one by five point eight percent. I don't know where they get that from, but they're obviously assuming that every as soon as the, the vaccine has been developed, or the, the the prospect of the vaccine being developed, even if it isn't implementable because of the tests that need to be done, it'll everyone will say, well, that's that's a huge relief. Let's get back to work, just like they are in Spain and Italy, uh, not in France, but in Spain and Italy, the restrictions are being lifted, lockdown restrictions are being lifted. So that's a good sign. I think Denmark, is it Denmark? I think Denmark is sending their kids back to school. That's pretty good. Mm, Austria is, Austria as well. Mm. So all those things are starting mm. to happen in Europe, maybe a little bit prematurely. I'm just trying to look for reasons why there will be the next test of the old lows, if you see what I mean, hopefully not new lows. And it mm. could be that uh, these experiments don't work and these, um, the, the cases surge. That's my latest conspiracy theory. Yeah, I just I don't even think we've got enough time to talk about this all day. There's so many moving parts, Lindsay, and, and, and the thing that the thing that I'm having difficulty sort of marrying one against the other is is the we're talking about a you know point one percent drop or a point six percent drop during the Great Financial Crisis. We contracted it's worse since the Great Recession. It contracted by one percent. They're now talking about a 6%. In South Africa, some people are muting numbers between 8 and 10%. We've seen numbers overseas, the GDP in, in the U.S. anywhere between 20 and 30%. So, to, so you've got one hand, you've got the market watchers looking at, all, as you said, all this liquidity, uh, sloshing around the systems, central banks doing what they're doing. And then you've got the actual story on the ground, which I think is a lot worse than it actually is. It, it is far worse than it's been illustrated in the, in the equity prices or asset prices or risk assets are currently pricing it right now. And, it's so, and, I, and I suspect it's somewhere in between. It's maybe not as bad as the, the doomsdays, 20s and 30s, but it's certainly not um, a 1% or 6% what the World Bank is saying. I think it's closer to probably 15. Uh, and I think time will tell. But um, I think that's the, that's the real... Um, tug of sort of tug of war we got at the moment between uh, the liquidity and central banks on one side and the actual reality on the ground floor. Exactly. On the ground, we've got the UK economy on the front page of the Telegraph being highlighted this morning, and it says the worst recession, yeah. the worst economic downturn in 300 years. 300 years. I don't know what was happening 300 years ago. What was happening in 1720? What was happening around that time? <laughs> no idea. Were they still getting over the Great Fire of London in 1666? Was there the Black Plague? Was there a political turmoil or a changing of the guard at the, at the, at the palace or something? <laughs> the palace, it was Windsor Castle, wherever it was. But anyway, it's interesting, 300 years. And also, I saw a number from another doomsayer who said that the next print, the GDP print in the UK, will show minus 35%. Now, these are numbers that, I mean, obviously outlandish, but you never know. Maybe for one quarter, that's what, that's what they print. 
And I, and I, I'm battling as as a as money manager or, or, or sort of trying to figure out what to do with risk assets is if we do get these sort of numbers, which I think we might do, it's almost bec- it's almost becomes so bad and so shocking. It almost the markets don't believe it. it it's like we saw with uh, with all these bailouts. You know, when it, when it went from you know when you said a ten million dollar loss was big, it, you started talking about hundreds of billions and trillions. And now we're on we're on two point three trillion bailout here and there. I think these numbers are going to be so catastrophic that the market actually doesn't know what to do with it. It's almost like stuck in the headlights, quite frankly, uh, but not with taking the fact that I really do think we're in for a, we're in for a really tough fall year. Uh, talking about headlines, let's have a good the FT today. I know you're a devotee of the FT. Uh, mm. Headline, Trump suspends funding to World Health Organization. <laughs> the first thing he did when he stood up yesterday in the Rose Garden, because it was a nice day in Washington, he stood up in front of a, a sparse collection of a journalist because of social distancing. There's only a few of them there. He stood up and he said, well, the WHO and the WTO have ripped um, ripped us off for so long. So he's cut funding to the WHO just when they need it the most, of course. In typical Trump style, yeah. nasty little bully he is. Um, then coronavirus latest, Bill Gates says US decision to freeze WHO funding is dangerous. US Treasury reaches deal to prop up airlines. Now, this brings us back to South African uh, airways. Mr. Trump said, yeah, we're going to prop up our great American airlines. There's nothing, it's never airlines, it's always great airlines or tremendous this. So that's going to happen. At the same time, the South African government has taken the step that it should have taken maybe five to ten years ago of cutting funding to SAA. How many tens of billions of rands of taxpayers' money has been used on this ailing, ailing dinosaur? I think the numbers were about 28 billion but uh, but but don't uh, don't hold me to that i think that was roughly the number of the last sort of decade that's been thrown at the failing saa airline mm. um and it's not a moment too soon and and i guess during this this tough pandemic and tough times we're in now a little bit of a silver lining is the fact that the government and and it's it's i guess its stakeholders this is a perfect opportunity to use an excuse to tidy up things and uh, do a little bit of housekeeping. Mm. I mean, they should never have done this. They should have done this, as you said, years ago. But it, it's quite a – certainly within, this, within the world environment now, no one is getting on aeroplanes. It's, they're unlikely to do so anytime in a hurry. Uh, and, and this is a nice way just to quietly uh, – look, it is under business rescue at the moment. And the, the, official, the official government rhetoric is that they continue to monitor – um, you know the business rescue, but we, we we are getting a lot of feedback behind the scenes now that uh, Mr. Mamawani and and the like basically said there's no more money coming. Uh, time to sell it off and, and be done with it. And I think not. A, and as you said, Lindsay, not a moment too soon. Mm. Uh, yeah, better late than never, I suppose, is the phrase that mm. immediately springs to mind. Let's have a look at a couple of other of those FT articles before we get to the South African market. Global economy to suffer worst blow since the 1930s, warns the IMF. And this is an interesting one. The last headline on the front page is coffee climbs as locked down consumers seek caffeine fix. Are you drinking more coffee these days? <laughs> I love it. I love that. I actually, someone, because I know also, as you said, I'm a, the first thing I read in the mornings is the FT. Someone cut and pasted that to me. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm sitting here now looking up. I'm actually, funny enough, I've actually, there weren't enough, you know, those little Nespresso pods yes. that you get. 
there's obviously a majority of them are produced outside of South Africa. So they, 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 they're not, they're manufactured in the place in Switzerland and they're shipped around the world. Uh, there's none left in South Africa right now. There was none on the shelves in Woolies. So I've resorted to old fashioned bean grinding to get my fix. But yes, I'm definitely drinking more of, of, of coffee. Uh, and, uh, I think it's the, the coffee prices for, there was a huge, it's interesting. There was a huge oversupply for years in coffee. And only recently it's starting to to sort of bounce back. And uh, interesting enough, yes, I'm certainly one of those that is, is contributing to the bounce in the price of Arabica, as they say. Yes, there's Arabica and there's Robusta. Robusta is the mm. um, the African, uh, the mainly the African. Uh, type mm. of coffee and robusta is more uh, Brazil, etc. I'm just looking at the graph now. Uh, it doesn't look that dramatic, actually. I'm looking at this thing. It's gone from in December, uh, mid December, mm. it was up at, uh, let me see, what is this, uh, 145. And I don't know what the denomination is. It then went down dramatically. It fell by about uh, 50%. And now it's just come back up to, to, to 120 again. So I think this is a little bit of a sensational headline from the FT looking for people like me who want some, uh, something to <laughs> add spice or fix to my morning, uh, morning reports. But yeah, coffee. Why do you buy pods, by the way? You know you can't recycle those things. You know that they're polluting the environment. Yeah, you know what? It's just, if you want to, I'm, I'm an espresso drinker. I don't, I don't have milk or sugar. It's just the, the more bitter, the better. So I just find coffees, you know, the pods are a lot cleaner because it's it's such a mission to to clean out, which I'm finding now is to clean out my coffee grounds. But saying that, it is. I do think the coffee is better when you grind it yourself. So I've gone I've gone a little bit old school. Than old school. Okay. Well, let, let, let me just just close this discussion now. Buy yourself a traditional mm. Italian. Bialetti. Now, there's one for the, the normal gas hob or ele- electric hob where you stick the thing on and it bubbles I've up. One. I've got one. Okay, well, so mm. what's wrong with that then? You don't need to grind it yourself. You just buy the, the coffee already ground from a reputable uh, coffee smith and, uh, and get along. Please, <laughs> please don't buy pods. George Clooney would love you to, but you know, please when don't. I, when, I first got, when I first got hooked on coffee was I was living in, in London at the time and there was a place just off Oxford Street... Um, uh, in Mayfair, it was this tiny little coffee merchant. It's one of those wonderful places that you would relate to, Lindsay, that you find in London where you know, it has a sign outside the door like rebuilt in 1720, you know, just because you realize <laughs> yeah. how far the history goes back in these places. And um, it, you walk down, it was in the basement, and you walk down in, and they had one of those old like uh, ticker things on the screen that you get in the airports that used to flick over and change the prices. Yes. And they used to have the daily prices of coffee as they bought them in. So Very whether good. it was uh, there was Sumatra, yeah, it was like Sumatrian co- uh, coffee from Indonesia, whether it was Kenyan, I think there was a version called the Chaga from Kenya. And every day that this little gentleman would, would sort of shuffle up and change the daily prices as the as the sort of bags came in. And you, you could do coffee tasting. And this has been going since the 1700s. And, and I guess that's when I really got hooked on coffee. And that wonderful thing about you know living in London is you, you, you stumble across these old places. So that's my little background to uh, my contribution to coffee drinking. Very good. My contribution ends mm. here. No pods, please. Just buy the normal stuff. Okay. Um, got it. Okay. Right. That's also ridiculously expensive. So just, uh, I mean, just to, while we're talking, just on the diary today, we've got a very busy day. Earnings season in the U.S. is now in full swing. Right. Uh, We would have all seen yesterday, we had um, 
We had uh, JP Morgan out, Wells Fargo out, talking about a 70 to 90% drop in earnings. So take, they are starting to report at the start of the coronavirus. So it's really a good insight into what's happening. Today, we are even busier. We have uh, Goldman Sachs reporting before the open first quarter earnings. Uh, that's going to be interesting because they're quite a big trading house with stock and bonds. So we're interested to see what they do. We also have Citigroup quite closely behind and then Bank of America too. So Quite a busy day on the diary for everyone who's watching. So that, those are all out before the US opens this afternoon. I'm just looking at the Stock Exchange News Service announcements from the JSE Securities Exchange. And normally, uh, you know, they, they start coming through at just after 7 a.m. South African time. It's now 9.30 South African time. Normally, there'd be 20 to 25 up there. Mm-hmm. I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've only got six is that the time of year because it's post-Easter and before the May uh, bank holiday, people are away still? Or is this just a reflection of people just saying there's nothing to report? What's going on? Six re- six reports. I think I think it's the latter. There's nothing to report. I mean, a lot of a lot of companies in South Africa have shut their doors. You know, there is no there's no revenue. There's no there's nothing turning over. I mean, the only one I picked up this morning was MassMart with a bit of a trading update. Um, which I also thought was quite interesting, but increased only up 1%, but also showing that people are probably uh, certainly not that brand aware anymore. They're just going for the cheapest, cheapest product at the moment. Um, but I think it is a reflection of, of the fact that the South African economy is, is, is literally on pause, for the, for, certainly for now anyway. Okay, let's have a look then at the major movers. British American Tobacco, I've got at the top of my board, up 3.2%. RB Platinum, that's Royal Baffer King, up 2%. Spar up 1.6%. Northern up 1.3%, another platinum producer. And Pick and Pay up one and a quarter. So two retailers in there. Do they have a particularly good uh, online presence? Is that why they're up there? Or is it just because people know that for the next two weeks they're going to, all they can buy is, is food? And people love buying things. Yeah, I think also a reflection of the interest rate sensitives. <clears throat> I mean, a two and a quarter percent cut in the last month on for the consumers at home with sitting with their credit cards. I think it makes a big difference, um, and I think it, it, and I and I think it will continue. Quite frankly, I think the the, the Southern Reserve Bank realizing that they've got to do all they can to to support this consumer during this lockdown. So as expected, interest rate sensitive stocks are doing better. Okay, well, in that case, explain this one. Nedcor down 11%, ABSA down 11%, TFG mm. down 11%, Redefine down nine and a quarter, a company called Textainer down 8.8%. But those top four, uh, bank, bank, retailer, property, mm. they're interest rate sensitive. So that, there goes your argument straight out the window. Yeah, I think it's my theory out the window. Look, the only one I could pick up there was MassMart. That trading update was pretty dismal. Uh, no growth at all. So I can understand why well, that's 14% down. The others are, are baffled to explain. Um, Sassel on there, though, we spoke about this yesterday. I can talk about that. 11.41% down on the first uh, 30 minutes of trading. Uh, that, as we said yesterday, uh, oil price continuing to grind low this morning. Yeah, it is. I think it's maybe the RAND situation. Or maybe it's this, Nick. Everyone assumes that... Mm. Uh, an interest rate uh, cut of the magnitude that we've had in the last two weeks, in other words, 200 basis points from six and a quarter to four and a quarter percent in the Republic of South Africa, the repo rate, that is, maybe that squeezes their margins a bit. It doesn't allow them to drive a bus through the uh, borrowing and the lending uh, prices that they normally quote. Is that an outlandish theory? No, that's 100% correct. We spoke about this morning on our, on our Wednesday meeting. That's entirely right, Lindsay. There is no margins left anymore. And in fact, uh, that margin of error, some, uh, some banks, we shall, I'm not going to go into detail, no. but are probably hinging on the, on the version of negative. Um, so that, that you're perfectly right in your theory. Um, there's no room for any cushion whatsoever. 
Okay, I've been doing things uh, about face this morning, so I'm going to go now to the um, to the markets and start with the currencies, of course. And I did notice with horror that uh, after a brief hiatus where the rand looked as though it was going to strengthen, uh, it has um, turned tail again. I'm just trying to get this up, uh, Nick, and you can correct me if this uh, screen is out of date, but it doesn't look particularly good for the mighty rand, cry the beloved currency. Uh, I'm going to now give you a dollar rand of 1854, British pound against the rand of 23.25, and the euro rand is a horrible, horrible uh, 20.31, horrible for me anyway. 109.50 is the euro dollar. Last night in the United States, the Dow Jones was up 2.4%, the S&P was up 3, 3% plus, the Nasdaq was nearly 4% high, look at that thing go. Uh, Tokyo this morning down a half, now, Shanghai down 0.6, Hang Seng down 1.2, Australia down a third of a percent. The gold price has pulled back by $17 to 1710. Platinum is down 13 to 769. Where's Palladium? That is bucking the trend up 0.6 of a percent, $13 up, uh, 2,235. We were very smug when we were speaking yesterday, Nick, about the oil price. We said it was the easiest mm. thing in the world, uh, like treading on ants, just sell the oil price. It was around about unchanged to maybe slightly higher at one point when we were speaking. It closed down, I think, 7.5%. So we did quite well for the hedge fund, the fictitious hedge fund. Mm. We did, and West Texas this morning hovering at uh, $20.04, so it's trying to hold that uh, that $20 level, which is a key, key level. I, I, my call is that we, we trade through as the afternoon session progresses, uh, and Brent, the, one of the ones that we will watch, $28.98 now, under $30.00. Uh, currently sort of 2% down. I, I think this is going to con continue to grind low. I really, I don't see any, there's no reason to buy oil right now. And quite, if I just to make an observation, the really sort of risk off mood changed at about six o'clock this morning for whatever reason. Someone woke up and it was literally on six o'clock South African time. All of a sudden, the S&Ps was, was down about five points. It just started to sell off from 28.30. It's about, it's trying to break 2,800. It's 28.05 now. So it dropped a percent in the last hour. Exactly the same time, risk assets like Iran. Iran was actually pretty much unchanged at 18.30. But it, as I said, from six o'clock when someone woke up in Europe and did this sort of sell risk assets, that's now blown out. I mean, that's a quite a big move. That's a 26 cent move on the Rand. It's a percent and a half. So for some reason, the, the mood changed this morning. Maybe we've just, as we said, we run it a little bit ahead of ourselves. And uh, all of a sudden, we're getting some selling on risk assets. And, and I think this might be the start of a couple of days of, of coming off here. I think the realization with, with the, um, the IMF uh, the, 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 um, out yesterday, what we're seeing, we'll get a closer view with the U.S. Uh, earnings this afternoon. I think the story is going to be a little bit of a sell the news in the next few days. Yeah, I'm just looking at some oil price you know, quotes of the last uh, few days. I mean, it's, it just shows you what the markets are like right now. Oil falls as Saudi Arabia launches a new price war with record discounts. Oil prices jump on surprise crude draw, uh, and that's all to do with Saudi Arabia as well. Uh, International Energy Agency, OPEC can't save the oil market. And the headline which came out late yesterday afternoon was oil hits $20 after API, that's the American Petroleum Institute, reports mega crude inventory build. The API estimated on Tuesday another large crude oil inventory build of 13.14 million barrels for the week ended April the 10th. In other words, it's people, as you quite rightly pointed out over the last couple of weeks, people just pumping the stuff and finding somewhere to put it. 
and and running out very quickly. <clears throat> I mean, this, the oil and the commodity markets, as we said, this is why it does. It's not a complicated industry to understand. It's basic supply and demand, and uh, the numbers are out there for all of us to see. They are pumping a hundred. Well, last count, a hundred million barrels a day. Uh, there is uh, certainly an excess of about thirty million barrels as the world is, is stagnated. So they need to cut roughly thirty to try at least get ahead of the curve, and they're cutting ten or. 20, if you believe Trump, they're still way behind. And those numbers you said, like they came out last night, just illustrating the fact that these inventories are building up more and more and more. And as I said, the trade to do at the moment is <clears throat> get some oil barrels delivered. Or if you trade oil futures, don't roll them. Get the get the contract delivered. So take delivery and store some barrels on your, on your lawn because at some point they're going to go up. But for now, there's just no – there's no enough place to store the stuff and we and i i'm we'll trade under 20 dollars. i mean without a doubt this afternoon when we speak west texas will be under 20 well it's twenty eleven at the moment um which is mm. unchanged from from last night but yeah it's inevitable and brent crude oil is twenty nine eleven, which is down one and two thirds percent and i've got 150 oil prices on my screen now and it's absolutely fascinating the differences um between the various i mean western western canadian select for example is down 32 0.8%. And that's only a one hour delay. It's fallen by nearly 33%. Western Canadian Select. And I don't understand what that mm. is. Canada is obviously an outside of OPEC <coughs> producer. I don't know what the implications of that are. But you've got coastal grade A down 21%. Ah, it's all over the place, and yet you've got ANS. It's all West. over the place. Yeah, this one is seven days delayed, so that's um, out of the window. But yeah, but the crude oil market is, is an amazing some, one. It's an amazing market, and they're all different grades of it. So you get obviously you've got the sweets and the bitters and the sours, and uh, I mean some some of the lesser grade ones that are that, that do come out of Canada, believe it or not, because they have a lot of what they call it of the. Uh, uh, the sands they call it the, the what the correct name is but it's basically they, they extract it from the from correct thanks Lindsay. yeah they, they take it from the tar sands and that's a very low grade of oil but they still manage to sort of refine it and, and and get a certain grade out of it i mean but all accounts yesterday some of the oil out of the canadian tar sands was was changing uh, hands at the equivalent of eight dollars a barrel mm. just to put things in perspective so there is there really is very little demand for this product right now okay nick we've painted the picture there's a sort of an edginess about this morning yesterday we knew mm. it was going to be a good day i mean we could, you could feel it building you could feel the optimism tifumbueni was going to talk and he did talk and we thought there was something going to happen and it did happen um today a completely different atmosphere to me Completely different. And in fact, <clears throat> as I said, the last few hours has been a real risk off tone about it. And, and I get the impression that maybe, as I said, realization kicking in, maybe a, a case of, of buy the rumor, sell the news. But we are a very different picture to yesterday. Uh, and in fact, most risk assets they look at are, are, are really selling off quite aggressively. Yeah, they are. S&P down one and a third percent. The futures, that is. What are the JSC prevailing indices after <clears throat> 47 minutes of trading, please? Okay, so let's give this uh, this wrap here. We've got uh, currently uh, all share down 2.33%, uh, 1,160 points down. Mm. Top 40, 2.19%, exactly 1,000 points to, to the downside. And different individual indices, the banks bearing the brunt of it, having a tough day. But uh, consumer cyclicals down 0.72%, healthcare down 1.2%, basic materials down 1.3%, as I said, financials having a tough one, down almost 4%. On the upside, just a few. We have uh, technology shares 0.74% firmer. 
and consumer non-cyclicals a little bit in the green by 1%. Uh, dollar around 1858 now down 2%, pound around 2330 down 1%, and the euro around 1.5% weaker at 2033. That was Nick Kunzer with the opening. And Nick Kunzer is from Sandland Private Wealth, 5 o'clock shadow at 5 o'clock this evening. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.